Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 275 for April 1st, 2019. Today's guest is author Camille DeAngelis, and I am your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for 13 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com, or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelheron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelheron or email me at mikeypod at gmail.com. Never mind. Yay. Yeah, definitely let me hear from you. I love when people reach out to me after listening to this podcast, and this is a good one. This is the second part of my conversation with uh, Camille. And if you listen to the last podcast, um, I confessed that I had not completed the book, and we decided to have a conversation about uh, where I was kind of stuck creatively anyway, and um, agreed to do another podcast after I finished the book and did a, an activity, like a kind of a, um, a worksheet kind of thing. I'm not the, uh, an exercise. And that she suggested, this conversation is so good. I feel so amped about it. And I'm super excited to, to share it with you. Um, a couple of things. Uh, I have a show coming up this summer in July, uh, June June 12th. I haven't even put it on my uh, website yet. More will be revealed about that. I'm very excited. It's going to be at Judson Memorial Church, where I just love uh, so much love for that place. And some different things are coming up for this summer. I'll have more details about all of that. I have a video that's still in the works. I'm going to edit it this week. Let me go ahead and commit to doing that. I'll get it done by the end of the week. And uh, I have a blog post I'm going to be writing that's going to relate to today's conversation. So if you came here from that, um, that's exciting. And if you didn't, go to michaelheron.com and uh, check out. I'll link the blog post both places because I want to write more about the uh, the, the um exercise that Camille had me do where it was uh, two columns, things that bring success and things that bring satisfaction. And it was very interesting. I feel like I want to delve more into that with uh, writing about it. Before we get onto the interview and a little bit of music, I want to point out and mention to you that this podcast is co-created by members of my Patreon community. These are people that are so into the work that I do, the podcasts, the videos, the songs, the shows, the books, the zines. I think that lists everything, <laughs> that they subscribe to get uh, bonus content and early access to things and behind-the-scenes stuff and all kinds of things. Patreon.com slash Michael Heron. You can subscribe for as little as $2 a month. And the more people are there, the more stuff I can make and the more uh, self-supporting uh, my creative world gets. I have a dream. I have a dream of being... Um, my art supporting itself. Uh, and if you'd like to be a part of that dream, if you really like the stuff that I do and you want some more of it and uh, the like the inner inner workings of all of it, uh, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. All right, so here's a song from my pal, Walker Lukens. I, I got a real soft spot, soft spot, soft spot in my heart for this guy. He's got another new album coming out and this is from it. It's called Heard You Bought a House. Okay, you gotta tell Jack about the dowry. Oh, God. My mom called and she said, if you don't have a wedding, we can get the Just south of town 
Welcome back to the show, Camille DeAngelis. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I'm glad to be back. Okay, so I finished the book. I don't want to maybe confess how recently I finished the book, but I did finish it. finished this morning. <laughs> I finished it like a couple minutes before nine, which is when we're doing our... Oh my gosh. But like so many of the things, like uh, I, I've got so much and you've got so much, I kind of don't know where to start. But one of the things, the main things that I, is my takeaway mm-hmm. is that my, um, I, I'm going to speak super openly about this relationship I'm in. I've started dating for the first time in a really long time. 
And I just had like a real low, like I get in a rabbit hole with my dating. And I realized this morning that it's the same rabbit hole I get in with my work. Like there's not going to be enough for me. Mm. Um, and it's this big, like, I mean, and so many of these other things relate, but I get it. So I choose that rabbit hole over my work when I could, the way out of the dating rabbit hole is with my work. But if I'm in a rabbit hole about both things, girl, it ain't pretty. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so I get, so you've got things to say to reflect on the last podcast. Mm -hmm. I've got things to say to reflect on the book. And mm-hmm. I made that list of success and satisfaction, which was really eye-opening. Um, so do you have any thought? Like, I kind of want to let you take the lead because you're like the uh, the authority, if you'll allow me to use that word. Like, we're talking about... Oh, you can't use well, that word. <laughs> well, let me say, because we're talking about your philosophy and your work, You, uh, I'd like to let you be the guide through this. Does that feel okay? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's start with my reflections on your reflections on how our last, like what we talked about in our last interview, because I was, as I was just telling you, um, I don't normally listen to my interviews, but I knew that you would be reflecting on what we talked about before you actually put on our interview in the la- in, in the last episode that we did together. And so I was curious to know what your reflections were. So, you know, I was lying in bed listening to you, you know, talk about, you know, all the stuff that, that, you know, our conversation had brought up for you or what you had already been thinking and ruminating about, like, as we went into the conversation. And there were like several points that I want, I would like us to cover today, because I think this will be super useful for everyone, everyone listening to this podcast. Cool. So the first thing that I think is really important to keep in mind because I have the exact, like all of those thoughts that you shared in the intro to, to the last episode are like, I've had all of those thoughts. So for instance, um, it has been very tempting for me to, you know, having published for over a decade and like feeling like, Oh, you know, there's, I should have more of an audience by now. Um, and all, you know, I should have more followers, like blah, 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 blah. Like, what am I doing wrong? Um, so I have a friend who gave me some really great feedback about that. She was like, when you focus on some arbitrary number, some arbitrary benchmark that you should be, quote unquote, should be at by now, Mm -hmm. you are discounting. And let's, you know, let's be honest. I mean, you're not appreciating and you are actually disrespecting all of the people who are following you and who love what you do and who are supporting you and who buy, you know, buy everything you put out. You know, and I think it's really important to focus on that because it's normal and natural to feel like, okay, you know, we should be at a certain place by now, you know, because you and I have both been at this for a while, you know, in our respective um, creative careers. Right. And so it, it's totally natural to have those feelings. But, you know, my friend, um, I should give a shout out to Giovanni, who gave me this amazing advice. She said, you know, focus on those people who are who you are reaching and who are signed up for your mailing list they're following you they're following you on all the things they buy your stuff they love you you know focus on those people there might not be as many people in as you would like but when she framed it for me that way she's like when you when you say like no one no one cares and then you know you always say well i know that's not true but like 
you're still thinking it and it's still like not respectful to all of those people who love you, you know, yeah. stuff. So that was so helpful for me. And that has really helped me to recalibrate that sort of whiny voice inside. That's like, why haven't I come further? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you sort of talk about it in the book. Well, not sort of, you definitely talk about that in the book when you met your favorite singer songwriter mm. who said, well, I'm not as famous as Katy Perry. And you were like, well, what the fuck? I right here. I came to your show four times, and exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it wasn't even just. Oh my gosh, I, this is why I say never meet your heroes because mm-hmm. I I can't listen to her music anymore. Oh, uh. so sad because she wasn't just like oh you know, it, it was actually kind of virulent is what I, what I'm trying to say. Like she was like really angry that Katy Perry was way more successful than she was. That, that's a problem, you know? I mean, you're like yeah. coming embittered because you're comparing yourself to someone who has a completely different career trajectory, you know? Yeah. I mean, most of the musicians I know are not interested in having Katy Perry's career, you know? They're, they they want to write their own songs. They want to, you know, do their career the way that they want to do it instead of like being this, you know, sort of packaged product, you know? Not, yeah. I don't mean to slam anybody. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, it's important for me, too, because I have, you know, I have these people on Patreon um, who are subscribed and are paying, like, some of them pay a dollar a month. But, the like, it, and it came to me with the zine. Like, the zine project was the thing that I was like, uh, who cares? Nobody cares about this. Because I was focusing on getting using it as a tool to get more people interested when really the focus should be on, I'm making this great thing for these 30 people who want it, who really are excited. And I get to put it in an envelope and write their name on it and remember, Oh, this is a person who cares, like who cares about my work enough to subscribe to it. Yeah. And like, when I'm in that, like I'm right now saying that I'm like, ah, and when I write those envelopes, it's great. I love like writing each person's name because it's like really acknowledging this is a person who cares that I'm doing this. Yeah, it makes all the difference. Yeah. And so the other thought that I had as I was listening to you, um, so, you know, it kind of begs the question that, you know, when we're talking about, you know, you, you have that there's that temptation to say, you know, oh, why don't enough people care about the work that I'm making? So it begs the question, how many people have to be watching or have to be listening in order for this work that I am making to be worthwhile, you know, to have justified itself? And and, and you answer that question. You know, I believe you, you said, you know, as long as there's one person out there who is you know, getting enjoyment and insight from what I'm doing, then I need to keep doing it. Yeah. And the the flip side of it, and this is how I relate. And I kind of want to start putting this more universal terms and just in my experience, but I don't, maybe I'll get there Mm -hmm. with this. Cause like in terms of people listening, I kind of, maybe people who are listening can sort of like think about how this experience sort of works for them. And, you know, I just realized, you know, if I'm focusing on how many people are listening or I need more people, more people, I'm, it's never going to be enough, like because I'm focusing on something external, like like mm-hmm. these lists that we made, mm-hmm. um, and it's the same thing in my relationship. Like this is one of those things I'm noticing. Like when I'm like, well, if only you could show up like this, and then he shows up like that. I'm like, well, you really should have maybe added this to that. You know, like I'm trying to get fulfillment from an external thing. Yes. 
instead of the thing that makes me satisfied, which is just doing my thing and sharing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay. Okay. I'm feeling so much lighter already. <laughs> it's good. I mean, I know that it's hard when, you know, we have all of these other, well, you know, fi- financial primarily, uh, financial considerations, you know, it's like, yeah. we, we don't like our creativity doesn't exist in this, like, you know, happy vacuum of, you know, rainbows and you know happy happy emails people send us saying like I love what you do like you know you have to pay the rent so you know I think that there is that um that pressure that we can acknowledge that like part of the reason why we're feeling like the 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 um this 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 pressure to get a bigger audience is you know for for that basic reason um and I think it helps to point that out as opposed to um, just a, sort of getting lost in the existential quagmire. Do you have other points from that? From that uh... Let's see. Um, oh, yes. There's one more thing I wanted to point out. Um, so you had said something like, you know, I'm almost 50. I feel like I've been at this for a really long time. And I, I can't remember if you said something like, you know, maybe it's time to get realistic. Like, am I, am I delusional? Yeah, also, yeah. I've also had that thought. Um, I have a very clear memory. This was not that long ago, but I was on the phone with my sister maybe a year, a year and a half ago. And I said to her something like I've been, we were talking about like me, like being in a pinchy spot again, financially. And I said, you know, I've been pursuing a publishing career full time. I mean, not, not completely full time, but like on and off full time, um, for 17 years, 16, mm. 16 years at that point. And so I was like, maybe it's time. Like I've maybe, maybe I have just like given, given it my best shot and maybe it's not going to happen. And maybe I should just put all of my energy into, you know, maybe going back to school, getting a degree and just like focusing on just like making the data and just write when I have time, you know, maybe publish a book every, you know, five or 10 years. Um, And as soon as I said these words, I just, I had this like, really creepy feeling and I couldn't tell if like a year later I'm still not sure what that creepy feeling was about but I mean I I guess it was because it sounded like I was about ready to give up on myself you know Mm -hmm. but then you know I felt like there was this this um you know pragmatic voice in my head saying well yeah but you know you don't want to die destitute do you like you have no savings so you're just being practical and you know you have followed your dreams you followed your dreams for a long time you're not one of those people who has deferred your dreams so why why would you feel bad about this um Mm. and and so there's still those those two opposing uh viewpoints i think when i ever whenever i think about this this topic so i don't have a a response to what you said and what, you know, which is exactly what I have been thinking at different times too. Um, I don't have an answer, but I just wanted to tell you that I feel I have felt the same. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's like an interesting thing about, um, I feel like we live in two different worlds, right? Like not you and I, but I mean, as artists, we live in two different worlds where we we're forced to be in like this. I don't know. I, I I worry that I'm going to say something that doesn't make sense when I bring in capitalism. But we're in this we're in this society where we have to make money. Uh-huh. We, we have to. We just have to. Um, but but by being artists, the the goal isn't 
to make money, you know, like, and, but we have to combine those two things to have lives. Um, so I, that feels like what, what a big part of that, you know, like maybe, maybe it's an idea of acknowledging like, oh, like I'm trying to balance financial life and creative life and bring them together and they don't exactly fit together. But that's what's frustrating about, you know, closing in on 50 and like, oh shit, I'm still trying to do this thing that's not bringing in money. And in fact, costs me money a lot of the time, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense in the financial world. And it doesn't make sense when I think like, uh, what about when I'm 70 yeah. and I can't work, you know, or, or I shouldn't say can't, I may be working till I'm a hundred. You never know. It's about that combination. I don't want to, I'm going to use the world word failure, like that combination being a failure and not about me being a failure. Does that, does that make any sense? Yeah. And I, I would love to talk about failure and who defines what failure is, you know, in each yeah. individual's career. I think that would be a really good conversation to have. I feel like we have to do a series of like 15 podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what we didn't even talk about. So like, you know, bookmarking the failure conversation. Um, so we didn't even talk about what, you know, cause I, I, I think about this all the time that I wrote this book. I wrote this, this book for people like you and I, who mm-hmm. I feel we have a different kind of ego management work to do from the people who are, um, very, very ego oriented and feel that every time someone else succeeds, it's, it's like, something has been taken away from them, mm-hmm. a completely different manifestation of the ego, right? And so those are people who I, I, I am afraid are like never actually going to recognize that they need my book, um, which is unfortunate, but like, hey, I put it out there, you know, if they find it great, but like, you know, ultimately, I guess this book is more for people like you and I, you know, um, and we're, struggling to, oh, I hate that word. I shouldn't have used that word. Uh, Which one? Uh, struggling? Well, yeah, yeah. Because that, because I actually wrote about that in the book about, you know, the you, word choices, like by definition, a struggle perpetuates itself. And so mm. let's say strive, you know, we are like endlessly striving to put our mm-hmm. out there and or we're struggling with self-doubt all the time, struggling with imposter syndrome, no matter how much our body of work is actually uh, proving us wrong whenever we feel those like inklings of um, imposter syndrome, right? Like you've been at this for so long. So you actually have this body of work that disproves that you're not who you, you know, who you think you are, you know, that you're not a real artist. Well, of course you're a real artist. Look at your body of work, you know, which is a great thing, by the way, about being, you know, not, not quite a beginner anymore when you've been at this for, you know, 10 or 20 years. Like, it's really nice to be able to, that's one of the greatest satisfactions um, in my, you know, I feel like over the last few years that I've been able to look over my body of work and I feel so satisfied about that. Like none of those books have been best-selling books and that's okay because yeah. they exist and people are finding them, you know, and people are finding them useful. And, and, and you know, and in the case of my novels, they're finding them, you know, entertaining. So, um, but anyway, I, I got off on like five different tangents there. I'm feeling really drawn to talk about this list of uh, what brings satisfaction, what brings success. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to review for people who are listening, in case you didn't see the other one, um, Camille suggested I make two lists. One of the things that um, brings success and success, and correct me if I'm describing this incorrectly, the success list is about external things that make successful, like 
getting money, people buying things, clicks, yes, uh, that type of thing. Yes. And satisfaction are it's a list of things that I do that simply bring me satisfaction. That that and the satisfaction just comes from something I control. Yes, exactly. All right. So the list of satisfaction is bigger than the list of success. Yay. <laughs> and like it one of like in some of the things you mentioned, like one of the things on my list is having a body of work. Like it's just the fact like I have two books and three zines, two albums, like a hundred and what, a hundred and fifty podcasts. Like I just love clicking publish. Like that's one of the things I realized. Like I love like sometimes like putting the podcast together and editing it just for the sake of that as an example feels like drudgery and it's hard for me to go do it. But I love like hitting like publish. All right. It does like when I let go of like how many people are going to download this? Oh, how many people are rolling their eyes? It's like, oh, that guy's got a podcast, too. You know, like when I let go of that, I'm like, oh, I just made a thing. No, I have I have 280 podcasts like and it's just things I did like. Though, like, what are some other things like just creating music like I did it last night and it's the way I'm trying to get out of this rabbit hole I'm in. It's just like, I'm, oh, this is, I like, look at what I can do. Like I have all this electronic music shit set up in my office studio and it's great. Um, and it, it, it really like underscore that that's, and when I make that the goal, that you can't fail. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to, I want to send things to my patrons in the mail so I send things in the mail and it feels great. And like, it doesn't matter that there are not as many people as I think should be. And, and you know, like it's that perception thing. Yes. It, it's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So making that list, I suggest it to people who are listening. If you're, if you're stuck. Good. All right. So um, there's a part in your book and, and I wrote, I have it like squared off with a pen and a big yo and an expl- uh, arrow pointing to it. Um, here's the saddest part. If all along we've been creating from a place of lack, what might we be capable of if we drew from a full well? Mm. I don't know about you, but I want to find out. Mm. Like that, like, and it's that place of lack that I'm noticing exists in my relationship and, and in my creative world and in my financial world, to be perfectly honest, where I'm just like, there's not, there's not enough for me. And I either have to fight for it or just give up. And, and do you know, and what I'm about to say, I'm, I'm 100% in earnest here. Do you know why we all feel this way? I don't. You do, because we were just talking about capitalism. Oh. No, like we are indoctrinated from the time we're small. Like you, you need all of these things that are external to you that you're not going to be happy you're not going to feel fulfilled people aren't going to want you until you have x y and z you know yeah because i really do think that this system is built upon um making people feel inadequate you know like every single individual member of of a society must feel inadequate in order for the system to work and that's why people feel that urge to like, oh, I got to buy this other thing. I got to dress like this. Yeah. And like all these external things like yep. that's the thing that's so like and I keep going back to my relationship because mm-hmm. it's 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 new. It's still newish. It's really new to me. And that idea of like, you know, I was scared of being creative for a long time. It wasn't until I hit my 40s that I finally was like, do this thing. Just do it. Yeah. And it was terrifying, you know, and and. All the way through, there were these negative voices like, 
this is dumb, this is self-indulgent, no one cares about this, this is a ridiculous idea, and I had to just keep like, okay, I'm gonna take the next step anyway, and you know, we talked last last podcast about the way that I just set deadlines, public deadlines, yeah. so that I was forced to do it anyway, so those voices couldn't take control because it was too late. Yeah. The thing was happening whether, you know, like, I had to show up, yeah. so you better write the shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, and it's that feeling of inadequacy that that happens and is this the am I getting it like suddenly I'm like wait am I getting it <laughs> like that it's when I focus on the thing like I want to create art and I want to be in a relationship because it brings me satisfaction to connect with another person personally and to connect with other people by creating art mm-hmm. um, that becomes painful when I try to judge the merit of that but any, either of those things or anything else in my life by how, what other people think of it. Right. Or what you think people think of it. Yeah. Or letting it matter what other people think of it. Yeah. Oh, Lord, have mercy. We've just <laughs> solved <laughs> all the problems in the universe. <laughs> oh, Lordy. You have another book coming yeah it's sort of like a philosophical like it's the the sort of next step like after this book um so there's a there's a chapter in life without envy about different wellness practices that have helped me and and i i think i originally this the sub the subtitle was veganism and then um, you know, my editor was like, oh, can we soften that? So I changed it to compassionate eating because I actually thought that that would be even more effective. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's just one section in Life Without Envy about how I feel that veganism has made me a healthier, more stable, um, happier person and an artist um, and how it, it, it actually has completely changed my creative life. Um, or actually I I shouldn't say completely changed. It's not like it was a revolution. It was just like a going much, much deeper, um, and, and things starting to connect, things starting to click into place that had not, had not connected before. And, um, and so we had talked in the bonus interview last time about how I went vegan and, you know, the, the sort of creative, um, like turbo jumpstart, like, awesomeness that I experienced. And that was eight years ago. And I have just had this like wonderful, continuous stream of, you know, book after book after book, where before I had languished in these trough periods where that was where I would fall into, you know, feeling like a fraud, feeling like I couldn't do this again, feeling like a no talent ass clown, like all of that stuff. Mm. But after after I went vegan, it changed. It, it all changed, and I have. I've. It's just been this like wonderful, continuous, joyful uh, expression of my creativity. And so, you know, of course, I can't keep that to myself. I have to share it. So yeah. I have. Yeah. So it's it's very much like life without envy. But there are a lot of other voices besides mine. So I've interviewed fifteen vegan artists. And then many more are, you know, I have different bits, different pieces of insight from people throughout the book. There's art in it. It's going to be um, full color. Um, It's coming out at the end of the summer. And I hesitate to say August 15th. That's what's on Amazon right now, but that could change. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's called A Bright Clean Mind. 
Um, and then the subtitle is Veganism for Creative Transformation. Um, and so you really have to focus on the subtitle rather than the title because that, that that was just like what the sales reps wanted. They wanted to like focus on the sort of plant-based aspects instead of, yeah. the, you know, because really the book is 75% you know, animal and environmental justice. And because, you know, as we've been saying all along, everything is connected. Yeah. You know, and so you can't be participating in all of this cruelty and have that not affect your creative work. There's just no way that it's not affecting your creative work. Yeah. The thing that's so hard for me to get my head around, like I get that, like, because I, Got it. <laughs> and went vegan. Um, I, well, I guess you've written a book. That's how you get other people to catch on with that. You know, like I have always with my veganism is like, how do I get other people to get it? Mm-hmm. I, I guess I can't even figure out what my question here is. Like how, how does, well, it's in your book. I feel this is another conversation. We should have another podcast for sure when your new book, book comes out. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I think we'll just leave that as a teaser for okay. the future. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, and, um, you know, if there are any, uh, well, I know you interview vegan artists all the time. So, you know, if anyone is interested, um, I'm going to be doing an interview series, like an ongoing interview series, um, you know, with like just short YouTube videos and then like mm-hmm. text interviews on Medium. So if anyone is interested in talking about their experience as vegan artists, I would love to hear from from you guys. So please drop me a line. Yeah, for sure. And I know there are some that listen to this podcast, and I'll be sure to spread the word, too. Yeah. And if you want to interview me, I'll be happy to. Yeah. We already talked about that, but we haven't set a date yet, so we have to make that. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been buried in my rabbit hole, mm-hmm. and um, I really, I feel good, like, being, I feel like I've, you know, your book really helped me, like, I, I needed to make this connection to, like, oh, shit, like, because I've been, I've been going through it with this relationship, and a lot of it is, like, you know, two parts and everything. But a lot of what's happening is I have this anxious attachment style, which I need to get out from under. I'd like to, I'm striving to um, redirect and um, realizing the connections to that sense of like, oh God, oh God, there's not going to be enough. I got to really grab, grab, grab. Um, Have that energy being connected with my art and having those two um, uh, challenges happening simultaneously, you know, and kind of feeding on each other. Mm Mm-hmm realizing that connection and like, okay, so the common denominator with all of this is me and my perception and my need to like turn off the TV, stop sitting here, like trying to shut everything out, acknowledge like I'm having a feeling, the things that help me get through these feelings are going, making music, Mm -hmm. make a post, go work on that podcast, work on that video. Like that's like the satisfaction that I'm trying to get from outside sources, from a relationship, from fans, from Patreon subscribers. And, and I feel like maybe you, I don't, you may have said this in the book and I missed it. Like if we focus on the things that bring us satisfaction and taking action on those things, mm-hmm. the rest of it is going to fall in place the way it needs to. And it's none of my business. How many fans I have. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love that you said that. And I see, I didn't articulate that in the book, you know, because I, I mean, I, you know, I wrote this book a few years ago now, and I've, I've learned a lot of things since then. So I actually feel like there could even be a, a life without Edby part two, but instead, I'm going to be doing a web series, like a web workshop, a virtual workshop. So I'm going to be doing that instead, because I thought about like, oh, should I do a workbook so I can sort of, you know, start um, sharing the lessons that I've learned since 
Um, but then I decided, no, I think I'll reach more people with a YouTube series. Um, so, oh, so the other thing that I wanted to say um, with what you just said, um, you had said that you, you know, would, would you know, sort of catch yourself and say, I'm having a moment. I think that's really, really valuable to, to like create that pause. Um, that reminded me of another point is um, emotional hygiene, the concept of emotional hygiene. That's also something that I didn't, I didn't really um, look into uh, while I was writing this book. I mean, I think I sort of talked around it, um, but I think it's really important for anyone who is struggling um, to like Google um, emotional hygiene and watch the TED Talks. I cannot remember. Oh, I feel so bad. I, I forget the name of the doctor who um, ha- has has talked about emotional hygiene, but his his video I found super, super helpful you know, the, to, to create the pause and to acknowledge that you're having uncomfortable feelings. So instead of, you know, barreling ahead and like being super reactive to everything that's going on in your immediate environment. Um, and also, you know, if you're in, if you're in pain, if you're feeling emotional pain, um, there's, there is a very, you know, natural human tendency to sort of try to pin those, those uncomfortable feelings on someone in your immediate thing like you are causing pain you know and this is like getting back to you know we're, we're talking about you know our relationships I mean that's something that is so useful to keep in mind as we are trying to uh, make a relationship work you know this is I think I'm going too far off topic but I'll throw this one little thing um I've been watching these YouTube videos thank God for YouTube <laughs> about this anxious attachment um, and I don't know, like, do you know, like the idea of these attachment theories and there's not, no, no. Yes. Yeah, so the idea is that there are people like in relationships, people who are, um, they're, I forgot what the, I forgot what the normal attached is called, but it's people who are like, um, uh, securely attached. So they, they're, they, they're calm. Basically <laughs> there's uh, anxious attachment, which is what I feel like I do, which is like, always like, what did that text mean? Why hasn't he called me? Da da da. Like constantly like, oh, this means that he doesn't like me. The, you know what I mean? Like when it's, it has nothing to do with that. And then there's avoidant attachment where the person needs distance and the more things get built up, like, so uh, the ta- there's um, avoidant, ang- anxious avoidant relationships mm-hmm. where there's an avoidant person and an anxious person who like keep chasing each other all over the place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so one of the things with the anxious thing I was like, I realized like, oh, right now I'm having a feeling and I don't need an external source to fix this feeling like, and they can't. Mm -hmm. So I need to go ahead and not send that text and try to get some kind of response back that it's going to make me feel better. And instead do the thing, make me something from my uh, satisfaction list that brings me satisfaction. You know, like it's really, I, I guess I avoided creating for a long time because I was scared. And I avoided relationships mm. even longer mm-hmm. because I was scared. So now I'm like, okay, so I'm still scared <laughs> in this relationship. But this other thing that I have gotten satisfaction from is still there. So go to that. Yeah, so it's cool like seeing how these things sort of circle in. And your book really helped me connect to those things. I'm so glad. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like that's a good place for us to wrap it up. Do you also? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Before we stop, will you uh, give give us the rundown of your social media where we can find more about you? Yes. I am Comet Party on all the things. And I'm at cometparty.com. Got a blog on there that I don't really 
blog on anymore. That's all right. Kind of passe. <laughs> yeah, but it's still good. I'll, I'll, I'll go back and read your blog. I'm really like, I, I, I'm striving toward being a person. I'm using the word striving now. I don't know if you noticed. Yes. Um, that doesn't avoid things that help. You know, like part of what was happening, like, you know, I get in that like, oh, not, there's not enough. My life is miserable. I'm not going to look at a thing that's going to make me feel better. So I think that's why I put off the book. And I'm so glad I finally like got over it. Yeah. And, yeah. I think it's so important for us to recognize when we're avoiding what could help us because we are so committed to the narrative that we've created. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm, and I'm dealing with this, you know, with my, with my financial life, um, I've got, I, I've realized that I'm, it's like more familiar and comfortable for me to be worried about money. So the time, so that when I think, oh, like what if I had like $30,000 in my checking account, I, I start to feel like a little bit freaked out, you know? I mean, yeah. it, it feels like walking around with, you know, $600 in your wallet and being like terrified that someone's going to mug you. Yeah. You're like clearly I need to work on that. <laughs> I think I have that too. Like when I have money, I start thinking about, okay, so what am I going to spend this on? Yeah. Like it's immediately like, okay, how do I get rid of this? I mean, that's not the exact thought, but I mean, it's what it equates to. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, like, Cause that's immediately, it's really interesting that I think that way. And that, uh, that thought about having the money in the bank account. Yeah. So it's tracing those thoughts and those attitudes back to the narratives, like the underlying narratives, Yeah. you know, which some, some of which we may have inherited, you know, but again, that's a topic for another. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. So (laughs) we have a whole catalog of podcasts coming up. (laughs) Oh my God. We should wrap this one up. Okay. Thank you so much for your work and for taking the time to be on the podcast twice in a row. Come on. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. It's always a pleasure. See you when I 
That was The Weird Years with Stranger from their brand new EP. Check that out. Look at MikeyPod.com, the show notes for this episode. As always, you can get links to the music, to the artists I interviewed, all the stuff. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for telling me if you enjoyed this podcast. Let me know your thoughts on all this stuff. Um, it's a pretty interesting conversation, and I'd like to continue it. I think I'm going to put out a blog post about some of that stuff we talked about, too. And um, that's it. Uh, Join us on Patreon if you'd like to co-create this podcast and all the other stuff I make. And that's it. Thanks for listening. See you next week.